and welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice on the topic of singing and teaching singing. And I'm joined by BAST founder Lynn Hilton today to discuss lots of things, reviewing the podcast itself and to give you a little insight as to what 2022 might bring. So hi, Lynn, how are you? Hey, how are you going? It's nice to be on this podcast with you. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Thank you for joining me today. What has been your biggest uh, achievement this year? I think getting through <laughs> without <laughs> totally falling apart. This So last year was about survival and this year is about growing out of this new normal, definitely. So I've kind of surprised myself with... Uh, being able to, in spite of the fact that we're not back to where we used to be, uh, still being able to figure out how to grow out of this situation. And I guess the biggest thing for BAST, of course, has been that we made the decision to transfer it into a qualification. And so it's been very exciting to delve into that and find out how that looks, how we're going to deliver it, and uh, who we're going to be working with, etc. So from the point of view of BAST, it's uh, definitely, that's been a very big uh, development. Getting the podcast up and running again, that's always been something that I wanted to do and I've really loved the fact that it's back up and running and with you at the helm, it's been great to see, um, you know, how that's evolved without me necessarily having to do it. Um, so we've kind of rounded up a few, haven't we, in terms of, uh, great tips from a, a lot of our guests. So the first one that we we want to to uh, look into is is Rachel Lines, and she was our relaunched uh, guest, if you like, uh, and she is on episode twenty eight, finding fundamental truths of singing. Uh, and in this episode, she explains that her search for fundamental truths was really for certainty. Uh, with which to support her vocal diagnostics and to help her students find autonomy. So let's take a, a little listen to what she had to say. As you know, we have such little sensory feedback. So much, such little sensory feedback. It's a little bit like trying to drive a car, but instead of being able to feel the steering wheel on the palms of your hands, you can only gauge your steering from, from seeing the car in relation to the road. So you can see how it's moving, but you can't actually feel the steering wheel. Um, or it's like if you're using your gear stick, but instead of being able to again feel that on your hand, you can only feel it in the motion of your body or the shifting in the noise of the engine. <laughs> So it's quite clear that, uh, from what Rachel was saying, that guiding students into self-awareness is is quite an important thing. As she explains in her in the little quote there, it's like driving a car without being able to feel the steering wheel. So how can we as vocal coaches really put that into practice with our students, helping them find this self-awareness? Well, I just want to say, first of all, before we delve into that, is it really strikes me how much singing teaching has changed, certainly since when I was a student. 
from that idea of like the singing teacher knows all and you as the student have to try and figure out what that means. And, of course, if you had a singing teacher who didn't really understand functionally what was going on with the voice or didn't know how to explain that in a way that, a say, a beginner would understand, you ended up fumbling around a lot and trying to figure it out and more often than not coming up with the wrong way to do things. And then the teacher wouldn't necessarily pick it up, but you would get the blame somehow that it's your fault. Maybe they didn't do it directly, but, <laughs> well, sometimes they did. Um, but you would definitely walk away with this. I, I remember this myself, walking away with a sense of somehow there was, I was at fault that I couldn't get this thing that my teacher was trying to make me do. And now we're getting a lot more aware of the fact that we have to deliver a student-centred lesson, working from the students' needs and understandings and learning styles. And so it's a lot harder work, a lot harder work, because it's not only trying to figure it out and understand it from your perspective, but then how can you translate that and explain that in several different ways? And I love the way that uh, Rachel has explained it. And, of course, that's useful for people who drive a car. <laughs> but being a car driver myself, I totally get what she's saying. And when we're, how do we then teach something that does have a functional basis? There is functional things happening. You know, there's physiology that's changing. There's sort of the acoustics that's being altered uh, by the what's going on in the vocal tract. But how do you explain that? You know, and uh, and that is always going to be our challenge as as singing teachers. So I love the fact that Rachel, and I'm sure she's got plenty of other ways of explaining it as well, has thought about how she can actually convey these quite complicated uh, changes and things that we have to do uh, in order and tactics that we have to make in order to sing in tune and then, you know, later on as a, you know, consequence of what we do, having to interpret that on an emotional basis mm. from our feelings. And, and it, it is. And, of course, the thing is as well is that every individual feels things differently. So what might be relevant to you might not be very clear to me uh, just because what I, you know, I was working with a client not that long ago and I asked him, where do you feel that in your body? And he looked at me blankly and he said, I don't know what you mean. I said, well, just close your eyes and just scan your body and notice if there's any shift or tension or a, a sense of something somewhere. And he um, very graciously did follow my instructions. And then he opened his eyes at the end of it and he was like really shocked. He goes, oh, oh, I actually did feel something. And it was sort of around the solar plexus area. And he said, I had no idea that that had a, a physical impact on me. And so if you're, if you're working with somebody who's never looked internally to find out how that feels, now you're also minus yet another sensory input. So how do you, you the first step is to just tune a, a student in to that actually some of these things can have a sensation somewhere in your body. And it's quite interesting 
from my experience in the studio, when I say to a studio student, how, how did that feel? Their response usually is good or blank in terms of, oh, you want me to respond? Uh, and I think asking those questions and then delving in, can you tell me more about that? They might then say, well, no, I didn't feel anything. And then we can go down the path that you went down. Or they'll say, oh, it felt tight. Like, oh, well, maybe that's in my mind, I'm thinking then, or maybe that's not good, but maybe that's better than what they're used to feeling. Um, and it's all this kind of subtext and the the delving and the translating that you have to do. But also, I, I think it gives students, maybe particularly the younger ones, um, maybe teens, the, the opportunity to actually have their voice heard and have their opinion shared, because there's maybe not so much opportunity for them to do that in the classroom at school, or maybe they think that the teacher always has to be right because they're always told that. How does it feel is always going to be important because you're the only one who knows. And if you wanted to say that it feels like a, a chocolate teapot on a wet day, <laughs> then go ahead. We'll, we'll figure out what that means. It's um, in our own way. Um, but no, that was it was it was really great to hear your answer there and and to hear from Rachel. I love Rachel, by the way. Yeah, we she love Rachel. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, and I love an analogy. <laughs> uh, and then moving on to one of our um, other favourites, which I'm not trying to butter you up, Lynn, but it was it was your one oh, yes. on um, <laughs> how to ask a singer those awkward health questions because it really can be quite daunting. Mm. Uh, so let's have a listen to what you had to say. So I ask things around, obviously, singing history, uh, whether they've had lessons before, what kind of performance experience they've had, what kind of settings they perform in, education, uh, any issues that they might already be experiencing from a technical point of view, and then I'll delve into health and well-being and also lifestyle. So when it comes to health, and this is often the area that people struggle with, there are ways of asking these questions that will help the singer understand why you're asking them. So if you're one of those teachers who likes to be accountable for someone's well-being, then it seems quite reasonable that you could say to the student, I'm going to ask you a few health questions and the reason why I'm asking these questions is because sometimes medical conditions and the medications that we take will have an impact on our voice. It might cause us to have a reaction or a side effect or maybe increase the, the difficulty of being able to sing in a healthy and balanced manner. You don't need to answer all these questions, of course. I'm not here to diagnose or treat or anything. I'm just here to understand everything about what's impacting the voice. So everything you described there just outlines the real, very holistic nature of the voice, how everything is so very impactful. Um, and I have a question off the back of that. So what can we do if a singer doesn't want to share, but we suspect or they hint, but they say, I don't want to talk about it. What what can we do there? Well, first of all, you have to respect that person's privacy. 
And I think for me, my focus will be on building trust so that maybe eventually they'll tell me. Or I will assume it depends on the situation, but if I think that that information or whatever it is that I suspect is going to impact that person's vocal health or ability to do what they want to do, I will assume that that's what it is and then I will give them instructions, exercises and work with them with the assumption that it is. It's the worst-case scenario because you're not going to do any harm. Uh, you know, you're still going to keep them safe vocally and physically and also you're starting to hopefully build trust to a point where, you know, they might actually tell you what's going on. But I think first, the first and foremost thing is you have to respect that. Uh, but if you, yeah, if you're concerned that it's going to be something that may impact their health, then assume that it is and then work accordingly. If not, it was just something that you thought might just give you a bigger picture, you know, of what's going on, but it's not impacting their vocal health or uh, physical health whilst they're working with you, then just continue as normal. Uh, and maybe you'll find with time they will reveal what was going on. More often than not, though, especially if you've explained to them why you need to understand it and how it might impact the choices that you make with regard to the instructions and how, how you get them to use their voice or perform, most people will will reveal what they need to to a certain point. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And it was a really great episode. Your anecdotes uh, with the clients and, and your experiences that you've had uh, were really helpful to kind of see how you can start to get the clues or start to implement things like the intake form so it doesn't have to be like a doctor-patient scenario. That's all really helpful. Um, is there anything that you want to add on to that? I don't think so, um, other than it's continually growing and changing because there are other people out there who have really great ideas too. I'm always looking to see what uh, other people, not only in the singing and performing world, but in other parts of, you know, like sports or, uh, you know, osteopaths, uh, doctors, what kind of questions they're asking. So, for instance, um, I had to go through a very extensive questionnaire when I uh, started working with a functional medicine doctor and I've pinched a few questions from there <laughs> related in particular to sleep uh, because I've realised you know, how important sleep is to the voice. Um, I mean, I've always been aware of it, but I've not necessarily delved into it as part of my questioning. But I realise that, you know, sometimes someone's voice is just sounds like rubbish because they haven't slept very well. But I haven't asked them about their sleep. And, and I'm not an expert in the area, but obviously once I understand that sleep is an issue, then I can alter my expectations and I can start to pass on useful resources uh, in order to help that person address that issue. I think the biggest problem is 
if you don't come from a health world, you're not used to asking these questions, I think a lot of people feel embarrassed or somehow that they're prying. And so I think for teachers for whom this is very new to ask these questions, even though they know it's important but they feel hesitant to actually ask them, is putting yourself into a clinical position of saying, actually, this is really part of my job. I can't do my job really well if I don't know these things. And if we explain to the student, you know, why, and it's appropriate because obviously you wouldn't be asking probably a child these questions, uh, though it would be okay to ask the parents, you know, are there some things I should know about, like do they have asthma? And also having checkboxes, you know, so you put down in the checkboxes all the things that you know might influence someone's vocal health and then they just have to tick it so you don't have to actually have a discussion and ask the actual question. I think that sort of separates you a little bit more. So that's why I really like the idea of a of a form that somebody fills in before they see you. And then you can just delve in a little bit into the areas that you think are important um, or, or ask, you know, is there anything you want to ask me about these conditions and how it might impact the voice? And then that conversation come, is generated from the student and maybe that conversation comes a little easier. The other one obviously is males asking females about the menstrual cycle. Uh, but the reality is it's important and, um, you know, you can just phrase it in a way that makes people understand you're asking this not for personal <laughs> reasons but uh, for clinical reasons. And if you, the other thing you can do is have leaflets, you know, create little leaflets about each of those topics that you can then hand because when we're, uh, this is a, I don't know if it's a trick, but it's a strategy that salespeople use where they have a brochure in front of them with their client or their potential client, someone who they're selling to. And the brochure means that when you're talking, and it's the same with giving negative feedback to somebody, if you've got a form that you can both be looking at whilst having the conversation, it lessens the intensity of that conversation and it sort of pulls away from being personal to more objective so that's another strategy that you can use as well um, and that's why maybe a form or, or or a leaflet or something like that is useful to have in front of you mm. yeah I quite like um with a uh, building the relationship between client and um teacher is to obviously be led by the client and have them centered there, but to refer that to your own experience as well, especially when I talk about the menstrual cycle. Because uh, if I've noted, ah, this seems to be happening each month with this singer, I might bring up, oh, you know, my voice is I'm feeling a little something today, but it might be because I'm on my period. Does that happen for you? Mm. And then they have the door opened to, oh, it's actually okay to talk mm. about that sort of stuff. I, it's, it's very difficult for me because I've been doing this since I was 17, asking these personal health questions and talking about personal health questions. So I don't know, honestly, what life is like without having had that experience behind me. <laughs> I, yeah. can only, I only have to just sort of imagine or empathise with people about it because uh, I've always been able to talk about these things quite easily and frankly. Uh, mm. And... 
even with my singing students, the only reason I didn't talk to them about it before was because I hadn't made the connection of how important it was. It wasn't because I didn't think it was appropriate or felt embarrassed about it. And as soon as I did, I just asked the question. Uh, and definitely when you've got people who experience singers, they're, all, they're relieved to know that they can talk about these things because they've suspected somewhere along the line that uh, these things were impacting their voice. And I, and I wish I'd had that conversation with my teacher because I remember the first two recordings that I did, you know, I spent a lot of money going into the recording studio and, um, you know, a lot of time practising and working with the um, band and both times my voice was flat and this is pre, you know, auto-tuning and melodyme or whatever it's called. And I was so upset because I sounded so flat. And um, on the second one, I was like, oh, I've got my period. And then I looked back at the first recording that I did and realised that I was just about to start my period when I went into the recording studio. And I thought to myself, is there a connection? But I didn't think to ask anyone and nobody mentioned it to me before and it wasn't until a little bit after that I might have been having a conversation with a friend who said that she never goes into the recording studio when she or she times it you know in between her periods and I was like OMG that's what happened and that's the thing mm. just hadn't occurred to me and that was me as a nurse um I don't know I'd already been nursing by that stage and working in fertility, actually, so working a lot around the whole periods or not having a period because you were pregnant. But, um, yeah, I hadn't made that association between what was going on in my body and how my voice sounded and what it mm. did functionally. So I feel grateful that that information's out there now and we don't have to wait until, you know, somebody brings it up in a conversation randomly years down the track for us to realise Actually, if I'd known that before, I could have timed, you know, my recordings in a better time and then I wouldn't have had to, well, I don't listen to those recordings anymore. Mm. They don't feel reflective of my voice. Mm. Yeah. I think it's um, also important for us to mention here that we have a very lovely, very well-written, brilliant article um, written by me and you. <laughs> on our on our website all about um pmvs uh, premenstrual voice syndrome and uh, what's going on hormonally at that time and how we can help our students out so go check it out yeah the, the other thing too is um the other time of course for females is is uh menopause my voice changed significantly um with menopause and i know that kenneth bozeman's wife she has written a whole book on that and we probably should bring her on a podcast, actually. Moving on to our last clip then of our podcast review, uh, a highlight for us was speaking to Candy Louise, who is uh, who had a career in digital marketing and she came on to talk about where we can even start with that minefield. So here is what she had to say. And the best thing you can do before you even start putting together a, a strategy or actually doing things like writing blogs that would be classed as digital marketing is to kind of figure out two things, I guess. 
the first is um kind of who are who are you you know what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses um we do obviously in the course you know we do a SWOT analysis so strengths weaknesses opportunity and threats so working out who are you and what is your USP so what makes you different because sounds so I feel like a Pinterest board right now is what I'm going to say (laughs) but but all of us do have you know from from our experiences and personal preferences and um just our enjoyment of, of coaching there will be something that makes you different than other people um so to just put it all down on paper you don't have to do anything digital just get a piece of paper write down what am I good at what actually aren't I very good at what could I be better at and what are the threats what are the things that could happen that could derail that so for example COVID can be seen as a threat or an opportunity because a lot of us have moved into digital um teaching and got um what's the word like students nationwide so students Mm -hmm. I've got one in America I never would have had a student in America prior to this because I now suddenly do online lessons and it's totally normal but at the same time loads of people stopped coming because they didn't want to do online lessons so that's a prime example so so number one write it all down figure it out and highlight the things that make you different and your weaknesses don't don't worry if there's loads of them it doesn't matter you know you can get better at them or you cannot it doesn't matter but figure out what it is that makes you different number one and who you are and number two figure out who you want to teach So there she was talking about SWOT analysis. And if you listen to the whole episode, you can hear her talk about a website design. Uh, You can hear her talk about social media and how to pick the right platform for you. And also our amazing game, SWAT Your Thinking. (laughs) Which Which I thought was absolutely brilliant and so funny. (laughs) It was really fun. And all about kind of picking your fonts and your colours and your themes to uh, for the appropriate audience that you're trying to reach. Um, so she talks a lot about the imposter feelings behind, you know, selling yourself and how we can Mm -hmm. start because it really is a a bit of a rabbit hole. Um, and this idea of avatars, creating your avatar, and you and I have spoken uh, quite at length about this, um, for when I was asking you advice, um, on how to start up a business, uh, when I finished Bast in 2017. Um, so how do you go about creating your avatar? So talking to your preferred audience Mm. so I've done quite a lot of uh, business development courses and masterminds and so on and I did one with Daniel Priestley Uh, was Dent and it was called Threshold Accelerator and what they got us to do was to write up the hundred problems or issues that our potential customer might have. And I thought, there's no way I'm getting 100. You know, I might have about, I don't know, 20. But actually I got to 130 when it came to singing teachers. So I did this for Bast. I did it for the magazine and I also did it for my own private practice. And then I was able to also look at, uh, because I had at this point, I had already a list and I would, and also obviously I've been working with singing teachers. So I created an avatar of what I call my ideal 
client or ideal customer, which was someone pretty much like you, Alexa. Oh. Yeah. So the ideal customer for best is someone who is thirsty for knowledge, who wants to be the best teacher that they can be, who um, likes learning um, and likes having that accountability, uh, certain age group, so you were in the right age group, uh, married or unmarried, didn't that wasn't so significant. Uh, you, you, I think I might have done a, a, an older one who's married with children as well, Avatar. And then you do everything from where they live, how much they might earn, uh, what kind of car they drive, what kind of subscriptions they have, how do they search for information, where do they get their news, uh, what kind of political interests do they have, do they think about their own health and well-being, do they exercise. And it starts to really build an idea of a person uh, that you might have in front of you so that, for instance, when I'm writing, I write to my avatar. Uh, and that's quite a common um, instruction or advice is that when you're doing a blog or if you're doing a podcast or anything like that, you're, you're thinking about one particular person and, and you make it quite personal. And I think the instinct is like, oh, why would you do that? Because then other people will think that you're, you know, you're ignoring them, but you're not. You know, it's the same with uh, contemporary performance. Quite often uh, people, uh, coaches, will instruct that you actually perform to one particular person. And what happens is that the others in the audience feel like it's them that you're talking to them because you've made it so personal. Uh, yeah, so I do that also when I'm doing my little videos, um, so videos, blogs, podcasting, uh, when I'm writing adverts as well, I'm particularly writing to a person. And then you, uh, it, it makes it easier because you can really focus on what you say and how you say it without having. So one of the overwhelming things I think when you first start doing this is that you feel like you have to be everything to everyone and be really inclusive and it's like actually it doesn't work that way. There's a certain type of person that will be attracted into your business and into you and it's not going to be everybody, you know, so don't try to be everything to everybody because, first of all, people will be confused. They won't know are they this or are they that, you know. Is it me? I don't think it's me. So they get confused and then they'll go somewhere else. Uh, and secondly, um, actually you want to attract into your business the kind of people that get who you are mm. and what you're about because they're your best potential customer. They're the one that's going to stick around, going to continue to buy from you, continue to be involved with you, to actually talk about you, you know, testimonials, etc. So, yes, I've definitely used the avatar. Uh, the 100, the 100 uh, issues is a really interesting one because not only does it help you to really understand your avatar in more detail, but it gives you content to write about, things to talk about. Uh, so they become your blog titles um, or they become the topics that you do a podcast on or um, or a interview or 
you know, a little video, top tip video. Mm. So that, the, that, that was really useful. There's, there were quite a few other strategies that I use as well, which uh, another question you can ask yourself is, well, what are my potential customers' top thinking errors and what are their top doing errors? And once again, those can be titles and topics to talk about, maybe even create courses around as well, especially as if you're a singing teacher who wants to eventually build a business, you know, that isn't based on just you teaching but brings you in income even when you're sleeping, which was what my goal was when I started back in 2011 when I sort of moved from just being the singing teacher in, you know, one-to-one teaching and into something that was a bigger business. I was looking for things that I could create that would earn income while I was sleeping. Uh, yes, yeah, so those are the, uh, so the top thinking, top doing. And what was another strategy? The seven things that you know about whatever it is. So I did that uh, with singers uh, for the magazine. You know, what are the seven things that I know uh, that I know for sure about being a singer these days? And I think one of them was uh, it's a lonely job. I worry that if I um, have lessons or singing lessons that my voice will be changed. Mm. So there was was a whole lot of things that I know were pretty typical of the singers that I had encountered. And the fact is most of us have either worked already with other singers and we do know what their common problems are or we've gone through them ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of the stuff that I talk about, that I've written about, that I've created courses on, including BAST, are out of the fact that I wish that I'd had that when I was coming through. Mm. So think about that too. Like what do you wish that you'd had? Um, Because you won't be the only one. Mm. And like we've seen where BAST has gone, so I was obviously right on that one. I wasn't the only one who wished that I'd had this more holistic, comprehensive understanding of what it was to be a singing teacher. Mm. Yeah, so and, and then after that everything kind of leads on to the next I know that another thing that I work on actually a lot, which Candy brought up, you know, about the whole imposter syndrome, I had that hugely, especially in this arena. Uh, Who am I to talk about this? You know, um, I don't have enough qualifications. I don't have enough knowledge. Uh, I've never written a book. And, you know, all of these things used to come up. But if you think more about, and I had this discussion actually with someone just recently, she wants to start talking about certain things uh, so that she can build her singing teacher business. And I said, if you put out content that is about, you know, you may not know about it, some particular area, but you know a little bit or you've worked with it a bit and it's helped you, then bring it out as, oh, look what I've learned just recently. I'm going to show you how how to do it, and it'll be, you know, I hope it helps you, let me know, rather than coming out with, 
I'm an expert and this is how you do this and these are the top tips for and this is, you know, the instruction for la di la So then you're kind of setting yourself up for that sense of, you know, that maybe judgment, criticism, because uh, maybe you don't know enough and so it's coming across wrong. But if you come out saying this is what I've learnt and I'm sharing it with you, nobody can judge that because that's you're just sharing your personal experience. And you can definitely start off that way as a singing teacher because there's plenty of stuff that you might have learnt, say, uh, on the bass course or any other workshop that you've done and you do a little video that's to your um, group, you're not putting it out there to the rest of the world. It's just your group of people. And uh, no one can, you know, criticise or challenge that because it's just you sharing what you've learnt. Mm. Yeah, good tip, good tip. Uh, and then Candy went on to talk about Canva, which I know that we're both a fan of. It's giving you uh, the, the scope to create your own logos and your own kind of digital bits and bobs that you can put out. Um, and that's all really fun. Um, so, so check that out for all those tips. But that kind of rounds off our, our highlights for our podcast. And I know that I speak for both of us here when I say I hope it's been really useful and enjoyable for people. And we've had a lot of fun making it and speaking to people. So thank you to all our guests so far. And uh, we really look forward to, to continuing it. Yeah, and look, I know we've just selected a few of the podcasts, but that's not because they're the only ones. The others are all so great and all of them have amazing tips. Um, I've been sitting down writing some top tips and things that people are doing and saying and talking about um, myself. So listen to them all because every single one's useful. Um, and but there'll be a lot more next year. So have you got any uh, special guests that we can talk about coming up, Alexa? Yes, we have Ali Moss coming to talk to us about songwriting, which is really interesting because it's something that I am uh, very new to. Uh, and so I'll be definitely asking lots of questions there. Uh, and I'm really excited because next year we're going to be speaking to Justin Stoney of New York Vocal Coaching about his empire uh, and checking in with him and asking him lots of lovely questions as well. So, yes, really excited about, about that. And there'll be plenty of more, plenty more to uh, follow as well definitely definitely uh so at the beginning you spoke to us about uh bass becoming an accredited course mm -hmm. uh what else is coming any news for us any uh sneak sneak peeks well i can't reveal the entirety of it all but we are going to do something very special with the membership which i think many people will be pleased about so check out your emails if you're on the mailing list and if you're not, join the mailing list so that you can find out what our little special treat's going to be. Uh, yeah, so we're still finalising the, um, the higher education course. Uh, keep, keep your eye out. It's still a bit of a work in progress, but we're getting closer. And I was hoping that we would launch it in January, but like with many things, that may not be possible. Uh, so we're, we'll keep you posted. But it's going to be in uh, next year, definitely, I would say, in the uh, earlier parts. Um, the other thing I'm hoping for, if things allow, you know, if COVID allows it, is to actually have some live events next year. So keep a, an eye out for those things as well. And there'll be uh, one-day events probably 
where we bring in guests to do workshops and masterclasses and we can have a bit of fun, get together and um, hang out with other like-minded people. It's always a good laugh and a bit geeky uh, and obviously very um, informative, yeah. So we always have very interesting um, guest presenters. And if you are interested in anything in particular, actually, or if you know of anyone in particular that you think that we should interview or have as, as a guest at a presenter or to do a webinar in, in the membership, then please let us know because uh, we're always looking for new and interesting people who can help singing teachers do their job to the best that they can. And send us your questions for podcasts as well and we'll definitely ask around because um, we want to make sure that we're answering all of the things that you need answered as well. So, yeah, get in touch. Well, I think that just leaves us to say a very Merry Christmas and Happy 2020 to you all. We hope that you're able to enjoy the festive season however you celebrate it and we look forward to returning again in the new year. Mm-hmm.